0: Welcome to the Social Lights podcast with Kate Vandervoort, where I interview changemakers and innovators on how they connect with their tribe on social media. Brought to you by Social Mediology. Welcome everybody to the Social Lights podcast. And I am here today with the amazing Juliet Wright, who is the founder and director of Give It, which is an online at donation portal. And I'm so excited to have you here today, Juliette. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. So we always start out, Juliette, by really digging deep and looking at what is it that lights you up? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: So that's actually a really good one because I have very strong values and I know what my values are. And my values are to feel connected and the way that i feel connected is to just help people and so i like to wake up and before when i first started give it i wanted to wake up and i wanted to help everybody and alleviate poverty and that's what made me jump out of bed but after a few years that actually became a little bit tiresome to think about saving the world the first thing you wake up and so what sparks my day is just waking up and deciding that you're going to make a difference to one person's life today And so that could be my son. He's sick today. And so I'm just going to make him comfortable. That's my focus for today. And tomorrow I'm speaking to 200 people and hopefully I'll light up 200 people's lives tomorrow. So it depends on day by day. But if I just make a difference to one person's life, that really lights my fire.
0: Oh, I love that. Just that really tangible. Because I guess then when you go to bed at night, you can measure the success of your day and you can, yeah.
1: And you can go, I did that really well today. Yeah. I could have improved myself today. Yeah. <laughs> you could made, yeah. Make sure that you always leave someone happier than when you first met them. So that's a good measure, but I like that deeper line of inquiry into how people are and what can help you make your day better. So that deeper line of inquiry, rather, you know, rather than just giving the kid Panadol and going, okay, that's done. <laughs> what can I really do to make his day a bit better?
0: Yeah. And what I really love about that though, is that so often we say, I want to make a difference and that's what lights me up. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. But when you go to bed at night, it's like, well, very hard to measure that, but what you're talking exactly. about is very tangible. So yeah, it's love yeah. that. So tell us a little bit about your journey up to live, up to launching Give It. What's a a bit about your back? Well,
1: I was a naturopath and nutritionist. Like I always knew that I wanted to help people. Like it was, I think it's in my DNA and it has been for for several generations. And my dad, my grandfather was a GP. Like three of my uncles are doctors. My dad's a doctor. My mom's a nutritionist and a dietitian. My dad's an acupuncturist and a chiropractor. And so I think when you mix all that together, you get a naturopath and a nutritionist. So that's me. But after I had the kids, I just didn't really want to work one on one with people anymore. I got a bit sad because I specialized in autoimmune disease, cancer. I ended up dealing a lot with infertility. And you know, there's great days, you have great days, but there was also sad days where you hear sad stories and I didn't have it in me after I'd had babies. I I felt like I needed just my energy to be focused on them and I wanted to help people, but I couldn't go back to work in that environment. I was I was pretty sure that I would never do that again. And so I just opened up my space and just went, okay, well, I want to help people. And maybe that's just, I thought, lecturing or, you know, teaching people, going into corporates and sharing how to have 10 out of 10 energy. I just, I I had all these ideas, but I really, really wanted to really, truly help people. You know, that deeper level of help anyway so suddenly accidentally started give it honestly accidentally started a national charity did not think that this was going to happen when
0: i started it (laughs) so why did you start it what was the catalyst for that well, I
1: live in the Stanford region, which is in Southwest Queensland. And someone Hudson had my son, who was six months at the time, had completely outgrown all of his beautiful, beautiful clothes that he had got given from all around the world. Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren, I didn't know that they made little bitty booties and stuff they did. And he was a vomiter and he was a bit fatty and he just never wore these clothes. So I was about to put them in our local lifeline bin, which is about four k's away. and. Someone put a severed pig head in the local Debra bin. And I thought, yeah. And that's what it is been, and you know now in the ACT they've completely gotten rid of them. You'll notice in Queensland that they're less favourable because you know on a Sunday afternoon they just explode, and if it's rained, all the stuff gets soiled. And so it's not a it's not a safe way to donate really great quality stuff. Mm. And that's what I felt. So I decided to contact all the charities in all my local area. Now that my local area was quite wide because I don't mind driving, so I went all the way from just below Sunshine Coast, Burpingarry, all the way down into Brisbane and none of the charities that I contacted, none of them wanted baby clothes or none of them needed baby clothes because they already had too much. So I asked them what they did need. And every time they answered, it was kooky. It was fascinating. It was different. It was just made me so curious. You know, like one charity said that they needed closed toe work boots and I was going, why would they need a closed toe work boots? This is obviously a charity for children. And, you know, like that curiosity that, you know, I loved it. Anyway, they said it was for a homeless family. And if the father got a pair of boots, he'd be able to get work on the roads. And I realized like a pair of boots can pull a whole family out of poverty. Now, charities do a great thing every day for thousands of people every day. Charities do great, wonderful things. And, but they can't have big W and a Kmart out the back full of stuff for a rainy day for a client that's going to need random and weird stuff. Now they know they're going to need undies. And they know they're going to need baby clothes or they know they're going to need this on that, but not closed-toe work boots or a a bike with a baby carriage on the back of it or a washing machine or a microwave. They just don't have, like every office around Australia, they don't have a warehouse out the back. So I saw this gap and I tried to buy some closed-toe work boots and didn't realize that some of the stores have them for 25 bucks. but I went to Hyde Yakka. They were so expensive. So I got my friend to help me do a logo up and then lo and behold, I started to try and build a website and then that's my IT journey starts from there.
0: Wow. And so you really started out with sticky tape and (laughs) built your website.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the original website was, which I failed building twice before I succeeded, by the way, I think I actually technically failed three times. So I spent $500 on it. It didn't work. I needed it to be automated. So, you know, a nutritionist idea of automated website is that a uh, microwaves requested on the website, Kate comes along and donates it and it drops automatically off the list. Anyway, the first guy couldn't do it. Second guy, I got into a, co- uh, no, second guy couldn't do it. Friend of dad's third guy put into a contract and he said, oh, it is. And I said, it doesn't work. It's not automatic. And he goes, oh, it is automatic. You just go around the but you know, you log in, you press a button and it will automatically pull off the list. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. So my husband ended up feeling very sorry to me, giving me $5,000 basically to shut up. And I then built the website. And then I pretty much think that I have been working full time since... June, 2009 on this now, it just is incredibly addictive to watch giving and be at the, you know, watch giving flow and helping it happen. It's incredibly exciting.
0: Wow. So it's been 10 years that you've been...
1: Yeah. 11 actually. So it's been 11 since I've launched so it's, yeah, I, um, I'm proud of it. Like originally, a charity could just request a microwave and then you could see that a microwave is needed. And then it just, you, put in, you click it, put in your details, and we swap your information. But after two weeks, my husband was noticing that I was doing a lot more manual stuff. And he goes, What's going on? And I said, Well, people want to donate washing machines, fridges, whole households. And it's not actually on the list today. So what I'm doing is I'm telling all of the charities what's available. And that's all very well and good, but that's all very manual. Anyway, uh, he and I came up with the idea of a virtual warehouse. And I think that that is the most innovative thing about Give It is that we can capture generosity now. And like in terms of disasters, particularly with obviously these fires, you know, we're getting a donation a minute. People are offering a donation of an item a minute or donation of money a minute. And we can capture that and then direct their generosity to real, actual, urgent need on the ground. So we're not going to match your you know, swimming pool to someone who doesn't need a swimming pool or a, you know, a kettle to someone who doesn't need a kettle. It's always perfectly matched, the size, the quantity, the quality.
0: And so talk a bit more about how that virtual warehouse works, because I've got a microwave here, I've got two computer screens, I've just done a bit <laughs> of a clear out and I was just going to take it and drop it off at the back of the, not just randomly in the bin, but where the proper drop off area is.
1: Well, um, I know where you live, so I know there's lots of charities in <laughs> your local area that actually do need all of those things. Yeah, so you can find go onto the give it website and just press give now. And it'll take you to like lodge and register your items. Now when you register them, it's just like doing it on Gumtree. So you're telling us what you have, the quality and the quantity that you have. And uh, take a photograph because now we insist on photos. We're finding that quality is best judged by photos. So we were really struggling with mattresses and washing machines and fridges to get the quality match that people wanted. And our team can just quickly have a look at the photos and, and go, no, look, I'm sorry, but your your moldy washing machine that has a snake in it, I've seen it all, is not what, from a work health and safety point of view, we're not going to connect you to a charity that actually needs that because we don't want them to get bitten by your lovely snake. <laughs> so take a photograph of the stuff before you go to the website and you can do it on your phone or your laptop. So it's really, really easy. And then it goes into the virtual warehouse. So when charities log in, just like Gumtree, they'll put in their postcode, how far they're willing to travel and what they want. And then they'll go, Oh, Kate's got microwave. That's perfect. But what I really love about it is that often the social worker, and we've got over three and a half, maybe 4,000 social workers across Australia that use, give it, but they're sitting with their homeless client and then like the homeless mother. And she's, you know, reinventing her new life and, She's getting her new home in order and she can choose what bunk bed or microwave mm-hmm. she wants. So there's that real sense of ownership. Yeah. And we're finding particularly with people with mental health issues and, you know, people who have schizophrenia, who have episodes and they actually tend to hold on to their items and protect their items for longer when they've actually had a choice in what they've got given. And so if you, are, for example, you know, if I, the house burnt down, which wasn't an unlikely scenario three months ago because of the fires that we were having. Even a um, month ago, hmm. Yeah, so scary. And I just know that I kind of want what I want. You know, I know exactly what size microwave I need. I know what kind of pillow we need. I know what kind of shoes the kids need. And so the virtual warehouse is really good for that because the person can sit with the, the client and the social worker can sit together and choose from Give It, which is like, you know, it's like Gumtree for free.
0: You know, it's one of the things that really stood out to me during the bushfire crisis when, I'm, you know, my family were in a bushfire affected area. And so I was very, very much mm. keeping an eye on their local Facebook group and seeing the dialogue and then seeing what happened up here in Queensland with people wanting to donate and contribute. And the number of people that I, thought, that I saw say, I'm sure they'd be grateful for anything and it kind of just stuck mm. with me. I was like, you know what? That just no, lost that's exactly everything. It. And if I'd lost everything, I would love to have some choice in how that rebuilds, not just being given whatever is available. So
1: there's a, there's a I would say that it's becoming an expert in this, along with, you know, Salvos and Red Cross. But, I mean, I've got stats around it. We find that in, out of a disaster period, like right now, no, you know, well, we're in recovery now, but let's talk about in an emergency or out of an emergency, just day to day, we're talking about a random day in April or May or June, and there's no disasters going on. We find the quality that goes through, give it about 95 and over percent. So there's 5% of people that just, and I call it sentimental blindness. They just cannot see that that item is no longer worthy of passing on. So, you know, it's the grandma going, I've been sleeping on that mattress for 20 years, Juliet. (laughs) Fine. And I go, yeah, Nana it's not. No, you know, there's a few springs on that and I've been on that bed and let's just let it go to rest, you know? Oh, there's also, you know, like the old cupboard, you know, and where it was, it was safe and it wasn't going to fall on someone. But when you actually put it out in the middle of a hallway, it's not right. It's not fit for purpose. So that's great. 95% of people just know exactly what good quality is and don't donate anything with broken or missing parts. But in a disaster, I think if it is more defined by what we say no to, than what we actually say yes to. So we would say no to 75% of the stuff that comes through the website. Wow. So I feel that people in a disaster feel that someone who's lost everything mm-hmm. will just we'll take with anything. Mm-hmm. Will just take anything. And in mm-hmm. fact, the studies are through through the Red Cross that the exact opposite is true. Mm-hmm. So you think about it from a logistical point of view as well. So you've got Salvation Army and Red Cross volunteers sorting through absolutely disgusting rubbish. And I can send you some photographs of that. And the volunteers are right there going, none of this is going to be what they need. They don't need tennis balls and they don't need crockery and they don't need those old granny towels that are this big. They don't need that right now, but they're still sorting through that stuff you know, plastic bags with dirty undies. And the salvo say that it's really disheartening for their volunteers because they should be actually giving, you know, human social recovery aid to the people who are affected, but they can't because they're inundated with terrible donations. And it's, I I find what they really want, like, let's Kate think about you just lost everything. I'm sorry, I've just, you've just lost everything. And now I'm going to ask you what you want. You don't want my pillow. Do you want my kid's pencil case? do you, you know, what, you know, like, what do you actually want? You actually want shoes that fit you. You know, you might not be a Dunlop girl. You might be a different kind of sneakers girl. You might hate sneakers. You might be thongs girl. Like, I don't know. So what we do is we try and make sure that people get exactly what they need and not what people think that they need. But the other story about that, which is... I realized about 2015, you know, we we were heading into, I think, you know, seven or 800,000 donations at that point and we were doing Cyclone Marsha. I think it was Marsha. Sorry, if I can't remember. And I should have, always have a disasters list there because I can't remember. I've done a few, I've done over 10 or 12 now. And Marsha, Hit, it was the one that hit the early beach and all the way up to dingo beach up in far north queensland and i realized that give it was getting so big where people wanted to give through give it and items through give it that we could bring in the 500 washing machines and dishwashers and dryers and all of that into this area but the moment we do we're going to knock out marcus who's the local better electrical owner at early beach like i realized that give it was actually getting to that point where it could do harm Mm -hmm. And I was really concerned that people would not want to just donate cash because Give It had really set itself in the market as our point of difference being items. So it was really quite nerve-wracking and I was concerned that no one would give anymore. In fact, it was the total opposite. People totally got it. Councils were just raving about us. It was really, it was was like jumping off a cliff in terms of wondering if you were still going to be successful. The following day, once we had made a board decision so I presented the idea to the board that we only buy locally in disasters, particularly in rural and remote regions. So that's pretty much southeast Queensland. like Brisbane is exempt. Like we can bring in donations and stuff like that because we're not going to knock out any individual retailers. Mm. But in the number of small community towns that we have, we needed to really make sure that we didn't in bring in, you know, 500 stationary kits, which would absolutely devastate the local news agency. We didn't bring in hairdressers because that would absolutely kill the local hairdressers business. And I've heard of all those businesses since cry, you know, other people bring in, you know, teams of hairdressers into small towns and I get devastating calls from people that we've worked with before just going, oh, that's it. We're ruined for six weeks. I won't have any clients.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of the nuances that people just don't understand in, you know, in catastrophic times and everyone just wants to give and help and yeah. But I, yeah, I was super conscious of some of the dialogue that was happening around those sorts of issues, and just, yeah, thinking, thank goodness we have experts like you to help navigate what is, you know, we keep saying these events are unprecedented. They seem to just keep escalating in magnitude, and they're clearly not going away. Um, so, no. what's the difference in how you operate between a day to day when it's June and there are no disasters yeah, um, compared sometimes. to? I- compared to say now and I get that the recovery period is long and what people need who've lost a home in the bushfires now when they're in temporary accommodation is completely different than in 12 months time when they might move into their new home and require a whole lot more than what they require now so how do you what does that look like ongoing someone
1: mentioned lot to me last week we are never not activated now mm. so there was some issues up in far north Queensland in an indigenous area that was really hot, topical, you know, and we, we worked with the government to manage it anonymously, so it stayed you know like just to just keep, reduce the inflammation and the, the heat within the, the social atmosphere in this particular region. So we're doing small activations and large activations that you know about and you see on on the television. But now that we're national, so we've got funding in Queensland and Western Australia and, and New South Wales, Victoria, we're in, we, we've got MOUs in Western Australia. We do disaster recovery in ACT. We're funded in Northern Territory. So we're always activated now. And if and, and sure, we may not be activated into that fires level, which was a severe activation where you actually go all hands on deck. We need temps. We're not coping as a team. We need to really upgrade the amount of human resources that we have in the team. But on top of that, we've got really sad appeals that keep us as busy. So for example, in January, all the way to April, we have our back to school campaign now in February, and it will happen all the way to April. We will still receive requests from chappies or teachers because we have schools that are registered about kids that don't have school shoes, don't have a pencil case and don't have a hat so they can't play these kids do not have the essentials even two months, three months into school. So as much as we're not activated for an event, we consider these requests pretty urgent, important and significant. So our team are pretty much always activated. And also in January, we also have a spike in domestic violence items requests as well, because we find after Christmas, maybe lots of alcohol, the bills come in in January, February, everyone's going back to work. It's hot. It's tiring. You're back into the routine of everything and then domestic violence spikes. And we find that those charities need much more support and we've got urgent, you know, displacement happening and we need to support people getting into accommodation with five or seven kids. Mm. So unfortunately, Kate, the answer is that we're always activated now and it's our new normal. And it's sad because, you know, the team sometimes just need a quiet week. (laughs) means we need more team really you know so but give it since day one has been growing too fast like it's kind of like it's like my normal
0: yeah it's my normal you've had some very special people mentioning give it lately which I imagine has attracted even more attention tell us about your brushes with fame lately
1: (laughs) so well I was pretty blown away by the Duchess of Cornwall reaching out Obviously, she has got connections to lots of charities and met with pretty much, you know, hundreds of charities across Australia. But really loved the way that Give It worked and in these fires. But, like, I mean, she was pers- She was devastated by the visuals and the- by what she was watching on television, and she was deeply affected. I received a letter from, a personal letter from her, and she was very, very upset by what she was watching. And she wanted to help. But She really wanted to help in a practical way. She's a very practical woman. And she made a, a confidential but lovely donation to Give it. And we put that into 18 school packs for kids at Ebor, which is in New South Wales, who were returning to school. And they had been fighting fires and had a very short but very aggressive drought compared to other places. But they they were really struggling with these fires on and off for a long period of time. And these families were really grateful. We've also... I got a water tank for a man and a family and put water in the tank, but also replaced the plumbing to the house and done some fencing materials and things like that. So she's really likes the way that we actually spend locally. So hundred percent of the funds now, you know, I know other charities do take a little bit and they need it for their admin, but give it's funded to do this. So we can take, no, we don't take any cut, but hundred percent of the funds that we receive are spent locally. And if we can't get it there, it's the next postcode out or the next postcode out. So we're stimulating the economy mm. of communities that have also been devastated as well. It's pretty critical right now in this event, particularly these fires that we purchase locally. I usually receive lots of thank you, lovely letters from people saying thank you to give it and the team for, you know, our new fridge or our new water tank or something like that. But I've received and we've received more thanks and more Oh, it's more than thanks from retailers in this event. So it's it's a funny event where the retailers are more grateful than the recipient, who's extremely grateful. So it's a new ch- off the charts, devastating to the Australian economy.
0: Mm. Wow, I feel like I could talk to you for hours about the nuances. I'm so here. sorry,
1: I'm really in no, a habitat mood today. Please
0: do not. Oh, you've got a child sick at home. I understand. <laughs> Have I, have I have I have I let you talk at all? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about me, it's about you. So can you talk to us? Cause what we really like to explore in this podcast is that intersection between technology and humanity. And mm-hmm. you know, we all know that there's a real shadow side to technology and how people can use it, but there is so much positivity and wonderful things that can come out of technology connecting people. Can you just Exactly it's connecting? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me a bit about what that means for you and give it.
1: Well, let's talk about the click of a button, you know, that you've donated the microwave connects you to your local charity. So there's that little IT connection, which is what we do manually and automatically. Sorry, that's automatic. <laughs> I was
0: to say you're still doing it manually. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's automatic.
1: But then there's that connection, that gorgeous connection that you now have to your local charity. And Give it's done that a million, 1.6 million times now. So you've now got a connection to a gorgeous charity in your area that does great work that needs items. You may not go through Give It next time you connect with them. You may actually go, hey, I have another microwave. My mum's got one. Do you want that too? And they'll go, yes, please. Mm. So there's that connection. Also, how do you feel when you've actually met a real need in the community, because I promise you that the feeling of that is 50 billion times more significant than the putting it in the local donation bin. So as much as you know that that's a really great thing that you did, that's really lovely. I haven't slipped my wrists, by the way. I did a burn last night. I just want everybody to know that I'm
0: not unwell. Um, (laughs) I certainly don't seem unwell. (laughs) (laughs) Although you might have to be a little bit unwell to take on the (laughs) the job that you've taken on.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, so there's that connection. Now, what happens in a disaster that people want to connect to the real need through GiveIt a lot. So, for example, in Cyclone Yassi, which was 10 years ago, GiveIt had 1.8 million hits in 10 days. So that's a real reflection on how many people want to give in a disaster and I love it. And then we can channel that generosity to real need. But the current website as it is, is not entirely automatic. So we have to manually check every donation and every request that comes from charities. And we've just got funding from the federal government, Home Affairs, Department of Emergencies to for the Give It website, which is launching in about six weeks, to manage multiple catastrophic disasters at the same time. Wow. because unfortunately that's where we're heading Kate we're going to start to need a giving portal that can be resilient enough to manage the quantity of people who want to give because the disasters are getting worse they're getting more devastating and more catastrophic in terms of the number of like have we ever have you ever imagined an event where more than 3,000 homes have been destroyed in australia like this is worst nightmare kind of scenarios these are these are the the scenarios that we've all been worried about and played out in the emergency recovery space that I've been in for a decade. We are in the, the nightmare. So we've got to make sure that the Give It website can handle that kind of channel, that IT uh, capacity and has in, in that bandwidth to manage that, but also the story on the as content and also the requests coming from community. And so make it really easy. So we want to promote that connection for you to your local charity in an emergency space or not an emergency space, but we want that connection to be so easy and organic and and also like you know beautiful, like you know you don't want to do it on a website that's black and says thanks in big horrible writing and and comic sans. Yeah, comic sans. (laughs) You know, and then you receive an email and the email's got your names. You know, you want to foster that connection. And then, and then once people feel good, maybe they'll give, you know, next week when there's not an event on, because we still have a huge number of people who are homeless in Australia. We have 20 you know, I haven't seen the latest stats, but we've still got like 123,000 homeless people. You know, we've got so many children, and you know, living in the actual internationally accepted poverty line, under the poverty line. And so we've got, look, still got a lot of work to do. So you know, the simple school shoes that your kids no longer require, the lovely pencil cases that they got given as a present that they never use. If you go through well, the it, twelve
0: it was- pencil cases they got given. <laughs>
1: We do guarantee through Give It that it will go directly to someone who actually needs it mm. and it will not destroy the local economy of that particular place because otherwise we ask just for money.
0: Mm. Mm. And do you do you get a lot of financial contribution as well from people? Yeah. yeah. So, I imagine I, that people really love the fact that you do take it and buy local because I yeah. know the sentiment has varied in terms of how many people you know how people have supported the bushfire efforts and it must be really heartening to you they're about 10 years behind you but to see all of these amazing campaigns that are launching now around matching people to beds that are needed and fill and yeah. you know all of those amazing campaigns that are coming out of this catastrophic event to really bring people in at a local level, uh, and but in, I've and also I've read,
1: read song by local holiday local, you know holidays. Yeah. There's a real push for that in this particular event. Which, but I've yeah,
0: also read it's some stuff. To party. Sorry, I was going to say I've also read some stuff from people in previous bushfire, you know, catastrophic bushfire events who've talked about what it feels like to be a bit of a tourist attraction. So I think it's a bit of a catch twenty two managing yeah. all of this and doing that in a really compassionate heartfelt way that is you know not sympathy and pity but is yeah. actually empowering people through this process and so to give to give it um, from a financial perspective it's it's great to hear about how you spend that money at a local level to empower because you know the person that owns their local electrical shop is also a resident who may have lost their home so they're also exactly a being not just a business
1: so we received four point 2 million, don't quote me, but over 4 million for the Townsville uh, floods, but also that whole flooding that went through Cloncurry, Julia Creek, Richmond, Winton. And we, I mean, I think we purchased over 220,000 items in Townsville alone. Mm. So we really do put our money where our mouth is. So we didn't, we brought in very few donations into Townsville. We were on very first name close spaces to all of the retailers, <laughs> particularly electrical retailers in, mm. in Townsville. So this event is a bit different because it's so widespread. Mm. So, you know, I have to say the Chamber of Commerce, they're such great, they're legends in every town. In every town that there exists, like they just help us just find the retailers so quickly. And it's lovely. Look, there is, there's a double bind to that where I'm not going to mention the town, But I was up in the northern Queensland at the floods and I had just left a, you know how there's all the independent grocers, there's food mart, IGA's, spas and Drake's, and all of those smaller ones. Well, in this particular town, there was two smaller ones. And I just purchased $5,000 worth of grocery vouchers from one. And I literally was just walking across the road, jaywalking. I don't think there's lights in that town anyway. (laughs) And I got a phone call from the mayor. Who had the other person from the other retailer crying on the phone because they'd heard about the five thousand from that shop, and I hadn't even got to the other side of the street yet. So I said, "I'm on my way, literally ten meters away. Tell them to get the tissues out. I'm coming." <laughs> I put the tissues away. Mm. So, and I've just recently had that in case in find some haircuts. I should have bought haircuts in three different places rather than just the one place. So yeah that's but that's how desperate retailers are right now
0: mm. in mm. those
1: fire and, and drought affected regions it's dire
0: wow yeah it's um Look, I just am really blown away by the work that you're doing, because I think there's a real sense of despair in Australia at the moment. And everybody was deeply affected by the bushfires. You know, I was on the very, very edges with my family being evacuated three times, but it was traumatic. And it was, you know, four weeks of being on absolute alert and watching, you know, listening to the scanner apps and watching Facebook and watching the news and I think the whole of Australia was really, and internationally was really impacted by it, but you're helping in such a practical way. And I think there is that person to person giving that it does leave you with a completely different feeling than just anonymously handing out. And so what do you do to kind of close that loop around this storytelling? Do you, you know, do you follow up with people? Do you, how do you capture some of those stories? Well, the actual, sometimes
1: the donors actually themselves are the ones that give us the story saying, we just dropped the stuff off at such and such charity and, you know, and just blown away by their work. I didn't know that they were there. And then you get, you know, touch notes, touching notes from the charities. And we do get touching notes from the recipients. So it's just a win, win, win. And we get touching notes from retailers. So it is just a win, win model. And, and the great thing about Give It, it's never been done in the world. Like it is first in the world and the new website that's coming out will be the most innovative, definitely the most innovative donation model in the world. So it's all very exciting. It's, you know, next phase is we're national now. Going to get Queensland, Australia, New South Wales, Victoria really humming. I think we're going to see more and more catastrophic disasters and we're going to teach people the clever way to give. They can give to any charity. In fact, all the major charities use Give It. So we don't work in competition with any of the existing charities, Red Cross, Salvos, Lifeline. They are all our best friends. We work so closely with them and they request the most number of items through Give It. So yeah, so when you donate to us for an item, it's probably going to them.
0: But at least, you know, it's for a specific need. Cause I think you're right. I mean, I, I Marie condoed my house over, <laughs> over the holidays and I literally gave away about two thirds of, and I know you Juliet, and I didn't put it on, give it, but you know, just so much stuff that was in boxes and I gave it all to charity, but it is you know there's a bit of a cynicism around that sometimes too because people do trawl the charity shops and then go and resell items and so i think
1: so when you go through a charity shop it is for sale yeah you can sell it but wait that pays for programs yeah are essential for australians so you know for example the salvation army shop they run Hundreds of programs that support thousands, tens of thousands of people in Queensland. Mm. Very, very worthy way to donate. Now, Kate, I'm like you. I've Marie condos, and I actually got a skip in because, oh. so, yeah, so some of the stuff that I had wasn't fit to give mm. as well. You know, it's, and firstly, they hold me to a higher order, I can tell you. I can't put something virtual <laughs> I to virtual warehouse. everything I gave on. was of and the highest quality. Like, Do you see what Juliette's donated? It's got a scratch on it.
0: <laughs> you uh, see it, it, on it on Facebook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It'll be front page of the Courier Mail. Um, so, you know, but it depends on your lifestyle as well, Kate. Okay, I know that you've got two kids, you know, so you're a busy mum. That's what you're going to do now. But maybe now that you've Marie condoed and you, you know, you say, okay, well, I've got some earphones, you know, that the kids aren't using. I'll put that up. You know, mm. just start simple stuff. But the great thing is about it is that just note when you give through, give it, You're creating relationships with Give It. You're going to create a relationship with a charity that you swap it with and and then you're going to hear the story about who's receiving it and what life-changing impact that's going to have. So you would think that earphones would be a life-changing item or not, Kate? Well, they would if it's something that you don't have and... Okay, let's just say it's for a schizophrenic schizophrenic boy who his voice is in his head Mm. and the only thing that helps is
0: music. Mm.
1: So every single thing you have in your house is an essential item to someone else. You just haven't thought of why yet. Like, everything-
0: you know, My two little people who are four and six, we have a real, a really strong culture of giving in our family. And they constantly say to me, and I love that they do this proactively now because it used to be me asking them, but now they will come up to me and they'll say, mommy, you know, I haven't played with this toy for quite a while. I think we should give it to a child who might use it more than I do. And I love that. it touches my heart but I've just realized that actually helping them to list that on give it would be a really beautiful way for them to do that so that they feel that connection too rather than just you you put it in the back of the car and it goes into the charity So, and then you, yeah. so
1: the next step is that you've registered it and you've gone, and we've accepted it as quality. And then the next thing you do is you're just waiting every day for a charity to go ding. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and then so, so the individual and, and the little, charity... It's a little bit more fussy, isn't it, than actually putting things in a bin. But mm-hmm. I think the emotional sense of connection feeling a part of your community feeling a real need i actually think that that's worth the 4 seconds of taking a photograph and the 20 seconds of registering it i just think it's and i and i think we've proven that you mm. know the the new website's going to make it even
0: easier so excited (laughs) well I can't wait to see the new website um so as we wrap up Juliet I always ask if there's somebody out there who is sitting around they've got the next big idea and they've got all the self-doubt and wondering whether they should do it or not what would you say to them what would you say to the future change makers and innovators that are out there
1: so I failed building the website and I remember that last time that I had failed and I'd lost $800, $900. And, you know, obviously I, d- I didn't know how much a website was going to cost and stuff. And I remember feeling this sense of absolute failure. And, you know, as much as it was personal, you know, didn't, no one knew that I'd failed as such, but I did. And I felt like everyone in the universe and everyone on the, everyone and the universe didn't want this to happen. And I just remember digging really deep and really deep and just feeling really grit and just going, no, stuff you all. I'm going to do this anyway. And, you know, and there was probably a few more swear words in that, but just that I don't care what you think. If you think this is going to fail, this is what I want to do. This is important to me. And now, I'm really glad that I actually didn't listen to that sense of failure because I could have so easily have all the money wasted. You would never know. You would never know that I had ever done that because I didn't promote it. The first thing that friends knew about was when I actually posted on Facebook in 2010 when I said, oh, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> so that feeling of like, yeah, just never, ever, 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 ever give up. Just don't give up. It's just there is a way. And it may not, the way It may not fit into what you think. You just might have to edit it to, you know, you might need more money. You might need to wait longer because you need more money. Just don't ever give up, even if it just takes a little longer. And most good ideas, if you don't have funding, which you don't because no one knows about it yet, it's going to take a long time. And so don't give up. Don't give up.
0: I was going to say, I mean, so often it looks like an overnight success. I didn't realise that you'd been going for 10 years with your overnight success. (laughs) But now, you know, you've been an Australian of the Year recipient. You've got Camilla Parker Bowles and Barack Obama talking about you. You didn't mention, (laughs) shall we close on that? Tell us, (laughs) tell us about that. Uh, I felt
1: like, did you see me on social? I actually said, I think I can die and go to heaven now. (laughs) I think that's it. I'm just, I feel like, you know, the fact is, you know, he mentioned give it first. Like I'm not a competitive person, but he just loves the way that we work and, you know, does someone a like him even know that you exist? I Well, he does He does his research. I'm sure he's got a team of writers. I don't know about Obama.org, but I am still high from that mention. And I will no doubt reach out to Obama.org and just say hello. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. For thank you. <laughs> well, we were getting a donation a minute, so his attention worked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think just as we close, the... The international response to what has happened here has been Incredible. phenomenal. Incredible. And I can't think of, apart from, um, yes. Anyway, I won't make jokes about that. But I was going to talk about the cathedral that burnt down that received a lot of support. Yeah, it's funny. World.
1: It's funny, but it's funny what stirs people up, isn't it, Kate? You know. Um, yeah. You know, and what stirs money. I, my, and my closing comment is: How amazing would it be if we all gave like that all year round? Mm you know, to domestic violence, to Indigenous, to kids going back to school. If we, you know, imagine if we thought, you know, there are thousands of kids that don't have school shoes today, right now. You know, why don't we get bummed about that, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So my goal is to, you know, obviously inspire people to give all year round, not just when you're really sad about what you see on TV.
0: I now need, I have got two pairs of school shoes in the cupboard that my daughter refused to wear because they looked too boyish for her. Perfect. And they're great school shoes. And yes, they would have at some point just been, you know, boxed off and sent off. So I have some fun to be had on Give It This Afternoon.
1: You might be our 1.6 millionth donation.
0: Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today Juliet. Thank you for me. It's um I've been a big fan of yours for a long time and it's really lovely to hear a little bit more behind the scenes of what's going on with Give it and just such a job well done to be getting the recognition and the the wide, you know widespread endorsement that you're getting it's really wonderful. Thanks Kate and thanks to everybody listening. Thanks Juliet. See ya. Mm. Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash sociallights. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast platform to receive future episodes and share with your tribe to inspire others to action.